The following movie is rated R. Radio Drone. It's another wasted Thursday night, but with a slight difference. I'm Josh Hadley. With me is Cecil T. Robot. At your service. And with me, is, as always, is not the Marquis de Suede. He sort of forgot to show up tonight. Boo. We don't know where Alex is. We got a message that he can't make it. And that's 23 minutes after we were supposed to start recording. So, Alex, too bad. Since he's Alex somewhere is, being gay. I'm sure he's off somewhere being gay. Speaking of being gay, do you want to do the Adam and Eve promo? Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME to get 50% off a single item, free shipping in the U.S., three free DVDs, and a free mystery gift. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Sell it a little bit. Come on, man. I'm never good at selling things. Let's move on to our actual topic. How do you sell the death of the R rating? R, the R rating has somehow become box office poison. How did that happen, Cecil? Uh, I think it's just simply that sometime, I would say around after the whole uh, the whole Janet Jackson nipple thing where... Oh, God, Nipplegate. Yeah, Nipplegate. Yeah, everything has, you know, every controversy has to have a gate after it. But yeah, after the whole Nipplegate thing, there was this, you know, quote unquote, rise of the new morality and everybody threw a fit. Movie theaters were clamping down on kids getting into R-rated movies. They studios started looking at the PG-13 rating less like it was originally intended for, because originally it was supposed to be, hey, we want to put some material that won't get us a PG. It's not enough to get an R rating, but it's a little more edgy. So we kind of want it as that mediator. Instead, they looked at it as, well, what we can do is if we have an R rated movie, we can neuter it down to PG-13 so that kids can still see it. You know, they want to get asses in the seats. And so that's what they started doing. They started taking movies that were initially supposed to be R-rated, and then dialing them down, dumbing them down to be PG-13, just so that they could get kids in the theater. So that really, I think, is where it all started. But why do, why do you think it's like this? Because the reason I'm bringing this up is Riddick just came out on DVD Blu-ray this week, and, you know, it's an uncut, unrated, but it was rated R to begin with in theaters. But the weird thing is Universal, who released it, even though it was independently financed, Universal is mad at David Toohey over Riddick because of the R rating. Because David Toohey insisted on Riddick being rated R. He would not back down on this. And Riddick, it took the international gross for Riddick to make its budget back. It barely, I mean, I think it made like $4 million profit in America. And when you count promotions, it lost money. And Universal directly blamed him that if we had made this PG-13, if we cut it to a PG-13, we could have made an extra $50 million. But your stupid pig-headed insistence that Riddick be rated R cost this studio money. So we're not doing business with you anymore. Universal blames the R rating 
on Riddick's failure. I, I don't blame the R rating in, in it at all. Like I went and I saw it in a theater and thought Riddick was fantastic. It was absolute. Like I liked, I liked the movie a lot myself. I was very happy, number one, that Riddick was returning, but number two, that it was a return to form because I liked Chronicles of Riddick, but it was more space opera where I liked the fact that they took this one back down to basics. It was Riddick alone for a good portion of it being a badass and we're seeing why he's such a badass and you couldn't do this movie properly being pg-13 it was like oh my only my only complaint and it's not an actual complaint about the movie is when they introduced that dog sidekick it wasn't oh will something bad happen to this thing it's oh when will something bad happen to this thing yeah i'll give it that but still i thought it was cool and i thought that it was a nice little oh He's really pissed off now. So it, it was uh, it was a way of, of having him uh, identify and kind of have a companion without having another human there. So I kind of see what they were going for with that, because he's a loner. He's not going to have, you know, a sidekick or something. So it made sense for him to have an animal sidekick who was this badass dog creature thing. L- let's look at look at Riddick right now as an example. Do you think Universal, whether they ethically are right, have a point in where the R rating stands right now? That if the movie had been edited to a PG-13, if they had not let Tui have his way, which I'm glad they did, do you think that the movie would have made more of a profit? Because one of the things Universal is laying down is his insistence on the R rating may have killed the franchise. Because this movie lost so much money, they're not willing to invest in it again. Is that good or bad that his insistence, this movie be rated R, might have guaranteed this was the last film in the Riddick franchise? Uh, I don't think that it was, like, honestly, the Riddick franchise was already dead. Like, the studio already pretty much decided they were not going to do a third one. It wasn't until Vin Diesel and David Tui really pushed and were able to get this movie made and put a lot of their own money into it. So the studio already had given up on the series and the franchise. So the, that simple fact right there shows that they didn't have any faith in the product. The fact that they wanted to push it as PG-13 instead of R just goes to show that they didn't understand what it was. And honestly, I really blame the marketing because I did not see very many promos for it. Whatnot. I saw a couple of trailers here and there, but there wasn't like with Chronicles of Riddick, there were pushing the hell out of that. And then with this, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, there's Riddick. Eh, I'm go see it, you know. And then consequently, it comes out. And I think it came out at a really bad time. I remember there was it was up against something really big. And whatever that was, I totally am blanking on. But it was some piece of crap that I had no interest in, I think. And that ended up, you know, being number one at the box office. And then Riddick just kind of did OK. I think that um, overall, though. It'll probably end up making its money back on DVD because kind of like how Dread... That doesn't matter to the studios. That doesn't matter. Oh, I know. That means, yeah, that means zero to the studios, which is ridiculous in the freaking, you know, in the in the world that we live in now where so much is consumed via DVD and Blu-ray and video on demand and why they don't understand that, okay, you didn't make all your money back theatrically, 
but then look at all the money that you made on DVD sales and, and you know, cable airings and all that. It's ridiculous that they don't factor any of that in. It's absolutely stupid. It is. But let's just take a look at 2013 real quick. This is how much of, an, of a literal scarlet letter the R rating has become. Of the top 20 grossing films of 2013, there is one R-rated movie on that. One. Two, if you go up to the 22nd, the top 22 movies. And that would be The Hangover Part 3 and The Conjuring. What does that say? To me, what that says, Cecil, is if you want to make money, you will not release an R-rated movie theatrically. You just will not because it will not make money. Because, I mean, I'm going down here to find the next R-rated movie. I'm going all the way to the 33rd film of the year, The Heat the Sandra Bullock movie. So of the top 33 movies, three R-rated films. That says something right there, doesn't it? Well, I think, honestly, it's probably stacked in the favor of PG-13. It's not so much that there isn't very many R-rated movies that made it into the top. It's that there's so many PG-13 movies that it outweighs the R-rated movies. I'm not so sure, because... And I did random, okay? I, I clicked on various random years and looked at other years to look at their top tens. Let's go back to 1983. 1983 had one, two, three, four, five, six movies of the top ten were rated R. 1984 had five. 1990 had seven. 1993 had five. That's saying as we're progressing... R-rated movies are making less and less money in favor of PG and PG-13 movies, isn't it? Yes, but that's also because, like I said, they're pushing more and more PG-13 movies into theaters and doing less and less R-rated films. And also, if you, I mean, a lot of times, with the exception of movies like Wolf of Wall Street and whatnot, which are, you know, the Oscar bait movies, that there's no way that they could possibly do them PG-13, although I'm sure somebody tried, R-rated movies anymore get the least amount of support from the studio because they're automatically like, oh God, this movie's going to be rated R, nobody's going to go see it, so why should we bother marketing it? When, meanwhile, they don't seem to understand that, look at the track record. Some of the most important movies ever made are R-rated. There's no way they could make movies like Goodfellas or godfather or schindler's list or any they couldn't make those pg-13 it's the subject matter is too dark or it's too violent and if they were to neuter it down to pg-13 it would ruin it it would take out all the artistic punch and you would be left with just a piece of crap let's go back to 2013 for a sec okay the, this was the top 10 r-rated movies the heat we're the millers the conjuring identity thief hangover part three Silver Linings Playbook, This is the End, Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa, Olympus Has Fallen, and Zero Dark Thirty. Now, all of those somewhat hits, right? Let's take a look at the PG-13 movies in the top ten. Iron Man 3, Hunger Games, Man of Steel, Gravity, Fast and the Furious 6, Star Trek Into Darkness, Thor The Dark World, World War Z, The Hobbit, and The Great Gatsby. Do you notice a disparity between the R-rateds to the PG-13s? The PG-13 movies are all the ones that are part of pop culture. 
The R-rated movies, on the other hand, are just movies. You, you, you don't see the identity thief you know, selling books and action figures and whatnot like you do for something like The Fast and the Furious or Thor or The Hobbit. Do you think that if you want to cross-market, it's suicide to make your movie R-rated? Well, it's uh, – I don't know. I mean because – uh, you're talking to somebody who's looking on his desk and has a Jason Voorhees action figure. So uh, there is merchandising possibilities with R-rated products. But but that's an R-rated product that has a history behind it. Most of these franchises, let's take out the fact that they're based on books and whatnot and just focus on the movie franchise, are relatively new. They're relatively new and they're aiming for a younger audience. For instance, when when we were kids, an R-rated movie could easily have had a toy line. Conan, RoboCop, The Toxic Avenger. Nowadays, you're not going to see a Zero Dark Thirty toy line. You're not you're not going to see any of these R-rated films. You're not going to see The Conjuring playsets. Do you think it's it says it has more to do with how pop culture influences the movies or how movies influence pop culture? And that's a good point. Uh, it's it's just it's weird because with with movies like The Conjuring, like I had just recently seen and thought it was terrific. Not a movie that you really could merchandise. They have where, exorcist action figures. You can merchandise anything. Okay, it's not easy to <laughs> merchandise. Fair enough, but I had to throw the disclaimer out there. That's perfectly okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not easy to merchandise. Yes, they can merchandise anything, but the the thing with the Conjuring is they're really uh, aside from maybe the the creepy puppet, there really wasn't a particular thing that they could put out. I mean, people aren't going to buy the family action figure. Well, most likely wouldn't buy the family action figure. Somebody would buy it, but it, it's just uh, versus. Iron Man, where you've got the comic book character and you can sell him and the villain and then you could sell him outside of the suit and then you could sell uh, Tony Stark with uh, action grip and this, that and the other thing. So there's more uh, possibilities for merchandising on something like that versus something like The Conjuring or The Heat or uh, something, you know, uh, something along those lines. And that's a that's a fair enough point. I just think PG-13 has become... PG-13 has become so safe that I, I, I like the way I summed it up before. The R rating is a literal scarlet letter on your movie nowadays. If you want to make money, you will not have your movie be R rated. I don't think it's a matter of making no money. I think it's a matter of making less money. So if you can do a movie, like let's, let's look at the Saw franchise was something that made so much money for Lionsgate year after year after year. They came out on Halloween like clockwork. It was a hard R rated film. Each time they upped the ante as far as the gore and the violence components and And made the story more and more convoluted to the point of uselessness, but that's different. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, going into that aspect of it. I, I, I enjoy the series, but for me, the main story stops at three. The other films after that are kind of, they're good, but they're kind of their own thing. But I mean, if you want, you know, the original trilogy is where it's kind of all housed. But beyond that, they 
proved that you could have an ongoing series like that that would be able to make money year after year and make a substantial amount of money. And the thing was, the reason why they they were able to continue to do this was because the movies cost a very little amount of money. So they would, you know, take, you know, a couple million dollars to make the movies and they would get roughly a hundred million dollars back. So in the studio's eyes, the old canon model. Right, right, right. The old Canon model. Because what Canon, what Canon used to do was, they would literally, like, say a Death Wish sequel. They would say two million dollars. We give a million to Charlie, and then we give a million to actual production on the film. We make four million dollars opening weekend. It's just like printing money. Yeah, I mean, so many of their their franchises, uh, you know, the uh, the freaking all their ninja stuff and all that. It was just made on the cheap but they would always get their returns. So that's the thing. It's like what they should do with a lot of these R-rated movies, certain ones, yes, you're going to need more money, but I think something like uh, Dread proved that you don't, like you could have a movie that looks like a larger budget production, but make it for you know a relatively decent amount of money, like $40 million to me or you, is a ton of money. But to a studio, $40 million is not that much money. But to put $40 million into a movie like Dread and have it come out looking as a freaking amazing as it did shows that they need to focus more on the actual making of the production as opposed to giving $10 million to you know such and such star to be in the film, which you know then it's like, oh, well, then this star wants this much money and it escalates the production, costs $100 million, and then they have to dial, uh, you know, all right, well, we were going to make this scenario movie, but now it's going to be too expensive. So we have to dial it back to PG-13 so that we can have a better chance of making our money back. Do you think that there is an opposite angle to this as well? Let, let's look at, let's go back to the slasher movie boom of the early 80s. Now, again, PG-13 did not exist yet at this point. We have to point out, especially in the example I'm going to give, look at Prom Night, 1980 Jamie Lee Curtis film Prom Night. That originally was missing a lot of the gore shots, not because it was edited, because they made it as they made it. When they got the PG, Avco Embassy said, we can't release this with a PG. No one's going to go see a PG slasher movie. So they threw extra money in to add extra gore scenes so it would get an R rating because people would automatically think a PG slasher movie would be sanitized. Is that not an example of just how much things have changed? That the PG used to be the scarlet letter? Well, if the other thing, too, is if you go back and you look at PG and then the early PG-13 movies, they were way worse than they the are early, now. The early PG-13 movies... Okay, the first movie to ever be rated PG-13 was Dreamscape in 1984. That wasn't the first to come out because that had a longer post-production period. Wasn't it Woman in Red that came out first? Uh, Red Dawn. Red Dawn came out first. R- Red Dawn actually came out first. But Dreamscape was the first film to be assigned the PG thir- the brand new PG-13 rating. A film like Dreamscape, growing up, I thought that was an R-rated film. It's got tit shots. It has got tons of gore. It has got, to a kid, scary-ass scenes. It's got serious topics. It's they, they swear a whole bunch of times. Strangely enough, what used to be PG-13 has gotten softer as well, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. One, one thing I always point out, if you go back and you watch the original Anaconda 
Anaconda is a violent ass movie. It's it's bloody. It's gory. People are eaten by by the freaking snake and thrown up and eaten again. It is a really violent movie. And then they put out the sequel, which was uh, the Blood Orchid. And that one, all the kills happen off screen. And there's it's it's might as well be made for TV because there's zero violence in it whatsoever. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, man, I wish it was more like, you know, the, the original Anaconda, which was R rated. And it's like, no, the original Anaconda was PG-13. It's just that there wasn't this weird morality where all of a sudden PG-13 has to be made safe. You, you, but you've, you've got this strange thing with PG-13 that it used to not only did it used to not only not have the stigma that it has today, but it used to almost be a badge of honor that we're more graphic than a PG but we're not as excessively graphic. I remember some films try to sell themselves as as like, well, see, if we were R-rated, it would just be excessive. We use the right amount of violence to tell our story. So they would use that as PG-13 is what we wanted. Look at a movie like The Frighteners. Peter Jackson's The Frighteners is rated R. He shot that movie as a PG-13. Not to be edited to a PG-13. They had an agreement with... Peter Jackson to make the movie PG-13 and they only released it as an R when they found out there was no way they were going to get a PG-13. The the psychosexual tension between D Wallace and, and Jake Busey was they had a lot of problem with that, but how many times she shot the shotgun? How many gunshots were in the movie? They said unless you take out X number of gunshots, you will not get a PG-13 and they did a test at it and they're like now the movie makes no sense so they oh, just said wow. screw it we'll go for an R but Peter Jackson's big lament on that is if I was if I knew it was going to be R I would have shot a goddamn R-rated movie then because he's he knows how to make an R-rated movie yeah so he's like I made a PG-13 movie that got an R I would have shot this movie totally differently if I was trying to make a goddamn R. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, go back to freaking Doc Hollywood, which has a full frontal nude scene that's really long, and that got PG-13. You used to be able to have quick shots of naked tits in a PG movie. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that in the early 80s? Like like airplane and that you could have naked boobs and it's still parental guidance. Absolutely. Or in the case of uh, going way, way off rails, Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer is a Dragon fantastic Slayer movie. Is a fantastic That's movie. It's gory as hell. It's gory as hell. You know what it's rated? It's rated G. They probably <laughs> thought, well, dragons. It's all fanciful and that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see the the freaking princess getting eviscerated by the dragon babies. Actually, the the hardest scene in that movie for me to watch was her skinning her own wrist to try and get out of the shackles. Mm-hmm. That just bugs the hell out of me. Yeah, it's it's a vicious movie and it's an awesome movie, and it's like, wait, this is what? <laughs> and then you're telling me that you can't have gunshots in a freaking movie where they're they're not even shooting people they're shooting ghosts 
She's well, shooting doors for most. She's of it, shooting honestly. doors and yeah, you know, and and stuff. And and I mean, and the and the gore is so like cartoonish, cartoonish. because it was meant to be PG thirteen. That's mm-hmm. what he shot it for. Oh, it's a shame because man, look at uh, uh Peter. An R-rated Frighteners would have been so awesome because coming off of Bad Taste and Dead Alive and how just meet the Feebles meet the Feebles and how bloody they were and how freaking fantastic they were and i like the frighteners but having an r-rated frighteners just it it would have made the movie so much better and not saying that r ratings make the movie better but there are certain movies you can't do a proper slasher pg-13 i mean every time there's been all these uh, i disagree with that look at the original april fool's day yes it's rated r that movie easily could be re-rated pg-13 and in a weird way, unfortunately, if it did that, it would have ruined the twist. Yeah, but I, or, I don't... Or it would have enhanced the twist. Because, plot spoilers, the original April Fool's Day is all a gag. It's all a murder weekend kind of thing, and no one actually gets killed. That's why it seems like the movie's edited, because every quote-unquote kill happens off-screen, remember? So you start to think, oh, God, they're just cutting this thing up. And then when the plot twist happens, you go... Oh, you got me! If yeah, you rated PG-13, it almost would have betrayed the ending, though, wouldn't it have? Kind of? Uh, it's possible, or or more than likely somebody on the... Well, I mean, if this was nowadays, somebody on the internet would have spoiled it for everybody. If, if it was so. nowadays, they would have put the twist in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go back to Planet of the Apes, the original 1968 Planet of the Apes with Heston. You've got Heston's ass through most of the movie, a whole bunch of swear words, a bunch of violence, a lobotomy scene, an attempted rape, the extermination of an entire species, rampant racism, rated G. Well, that was back when, like, when people... It was also the first year that the rating system, as we know it, was instituted, so I don't think they knew what the hell they were doing coming off the Hayes Code. Yeah, I think they, they might have flubbed that. But, well, the thing that bugs me, uh, one of the things that happens now is things that are re-rated. Like... There was uh, a movie that came out in the 90s called The Giver, which was based off of The Giver. Um, ah, the Mag- Mark Hamill one? Yeah, the Mark Hamill one. And it was originally done, and it was PG-13 when it came out. And when it went from VHS to DVD, uh, they went to uh, it was put out on DVD from a new company. And because of this, they had to re- have the film sent in to get re-rated. And now it comes back with an R rating. And it's like, wait a minute, this movie's been PG-13 for years, and now all of a sudden you're telling us that it's an R-rated film, and they had to actually edit the movie to bring it back down to PG-13 so they could put it on DVD. You want to hear the most insane one of those? It's, it's amazing how much the MPAA can change their tune in just two years. Maniac Cop 2. There's a scene in that where, and it's a blatant, I mean, William Lustig is makes no bones about it. It's a shot at the Matt Cordell massacres an entire police station Terminator style. Okay. And it's heavily, heavily edited that originally got them an NC 17 for the police station massacre. So they had to cut that down. Now, two years later, when maniac cop three badge of silence comes out, the entire police station massacre is shown as a flashback uncut. And that movie is an R. (laughs) They just, 
they they don't know what the frick they're doing. Uh, I if it's, if it's you... arbitrary. It seems to be whatever mood you're in that day. That's the rating. You, if you're in a bad mood when you see Maniac Cop two, well, that's an NC seventeen. You're in a good mood when you see Maniac Cop three and you see the exact same footage. Oh, now that's an R. Well, the other thing too is if you have enough clout in Hollywood, you can argue the rating with the board and if you have you know maybe a friend or two on there then you can have them change the rating to suit your needs like we, we talked about it before with uh, saving private ryan where uh they they were able to drop the rating down on that there was a documentary that came out a few years ago called uh, this film is not yet rated and uh if anybody listening hasn't seen that i really recommend it because it shows a lot of the nonsense that goes on with the ratings board and just how ridiculous the whole thing is. See, what, what I want to see is a major filmmaker. I mean, someone like an, an Oliver Stone, you know, not suck, but you know, some major filmmaker right now, honestly, the only person I could see pulling this off at this point would be a David Fincher, but that, that would say, and have it written into his contract, no rating. We're not even going to submit this film to the MPAA. The film will be what it is. It will be released by the studio, and it will not even go before a ratings board, let alone deal with this NC-17 R-rated shit. And I, I think Fincher is the only filmmaker in Hollywood that would have the balls to do that and the clout currently. What, what I don't understand, I, I get the necessity of having a rating, but what I don't understand is when an R rating isn't good enough. Like uh, when I saw uh, Eyes Wide Shut, they had to do a lot of digital enhancing to be able to bring that movie from an NCC or uh, NC-17 down to an R rating. It's still soft. Oh, man, are we going to have words? <laughs> I had to go and import the movie from Europe to get the uncut edition of the film i can go on the internet and watch two girls one cup no problem whatsoever but i had to order a freaking movie from another country in order to see the full version because the nannies at the mpaa wouldn't allow me an adult to see a movie that was made for adults in the way that it was intended don't you remember how loose the 70s were with that when a when a major release like dawn of the dead could be released unrated or even by 1985 yeah it might have bombed but it, day of the dead was still a major release yeah i mean now if you release something unrated you're if you're not going to get put into the major theaters and you're going to be lucky if you get to the art house theaters the film cannot be pg-13 it just cannot Look at something like Reanimator. Reanimator is unrated by necessity. When they, they submitted it to the MPAA, and again, as a test, they cut out everything they had to cut out to get an R. Movie was 45 minutes long. <laughs> Meaning that there is no chance outside of reshooting this film that, we're, that we can release this R-rated. Screw it. Just release it unrated and look at it's It's a cult film today. Let's let's go back into the Wayback Machine, and you brought up re-rating. Do you ever watch older movies 
and you can't believe that they only had an R rating, like 1980's Maniac with Joe Spinell, I can't believe that movie did not get an X in 1980. And I'm saying that in a good way. Oh, yeah. I mean, that movie's brutal. There's no, yeah, absolutely no way. If that was released today, oh, they would they would cut so much just to get an R rating. Look at, like, the disaster that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And I'm not talking about the movie itself. Whether you like it or not, the production was a complete disaster. That film was submitted to the MPAA 26 times before it finally got an R rating. And every time, the MPAA wouldn't tell them what they had to cut because they were an indie. You know, they'll, they'll tell studios, hey, if you cut this, then, you know, it'll be an R. They All they do is go... X, because the NC-17 didn't exist at this point, X, and then then you would have to cut and then resubmit it and hope it got an R this time. Can you imagine that? 26 attempts to get a goddamn R rating for a film that only got a 500-screen theatrical release anyway. It almost begs the question, why bother? It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I think that as long as the movie is not pornography, if it's a movie, if it's violence, if there's, you know, I- I implied sexual situations or whatnot, that should absolutely positively fall under an R rating. The fact that they have this weird thing where a movie will reach a certain level of adultitude or whatever, where it's like, oh, well, they can have I, I 10 like that. I gun. I like that word. I like that word. Adultitude. Yes. Thank you. That it would get to a certain point where they're like, you know, uh, adults can't handle this. X rating or, you know, uh, there, there's no way, you know, you'll be able to release this. It's it's ludicrous. I, I don't understand why. Well, I do understand why. I think that, you know, like I said, with the, the nannies, of the MPAA, that they want to control what we're viewing. And again, with something like with the Internet, I can go on and watch beheading videos. Not that I want to, but just the simple fact that I can see so much worse that's happening in real life. And yet you're telling me that I can't see something that was filmed and is fake, but, you know, you're for whatever reason that you're just going to deny me the ability to do that. If you say fuck twice in a film, you're rated R, but you can have a whole character that pukes for five straight minutes all over everybody and shoots explosive diarrhea out of a gun. That's PG-13. Does that not seem slightly imbalanced to you? Well, the other thing, too, is with with fuck and language in general, fuck, I, I don't remember the exact thing, but basically you can say, like, I think in a PG-13 movie, you can say fuck once as long as it's not in a sexual As long as it's not manner. describing the sex act. Right. It's, a, you know, you fucking asshole. Like, you can say that. But then the thing is, they put a level of, you could say fuck once, but you used, you know, you used to be able to say shit 10 times. Well, if you say fuck, now you can only say shit five times. And it's this weird, stupid list of like checks and balances where if they'd say too much language, it's just going to affect it. And, oh, R rating. You know, people can't watch this. It's stupid. Now, sometimes you get films. Okay, this film I'm 50 50 on. I like parts of it, I hate parts of it. You get films that play with their own rating, that they know what they are. You ever see the film Cuffs? With Christian Slater. Stop the car! Car, you're gonna lose him! Are you crazy? Stop the car! Are you 
to kill me? What are you so angry about? All I wanted to do was follow the Did guy. Did you see a crime being committed? Did you see a crime being committed? If we follow him, we will see a crime being committed. You are a patrol special. You don't go looking for a crime. If you happen to see a crime being committed, then you can take action. Otherwise, your job is to service those people who are stupid enough to hire you to protect them. And if I'm going to get killed on this job, it's going to be by a bullet, not by a bus. Now turn this car around and let's get back on your patrol. I have a limited vocabulary, Ted. Fuck you. That scene is absolutely a brilliant way to not only play with your audience, but to play with the MPAA, too. Isn't it? Because they were oh, yeah. allowed one. So they bleeped like they bleeped like 20 of them. And then, and then, then they finally yeah. leave the one in and both characters look at the camera and raise their eyebrows like, ha-ha. I thought that was it's, brilliant. I really did. Oh, it's terrific. It's a great moment in the movie, and it, it gets a big laugh every time because it's so unexpected. Strangely enough, that scene does not translate well to TV airings. <laughs> well, what do they... Do, uh, it, 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 do the, they the change final, the word? The final one is bleeped, too. Uh. So it kind of... The joke is totally lost when Cuffs airs on, like, you know, WGN or whatever. Well, kind of like... Uh, Die Hard with a yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon. We'll be getting more into this next month when we're going to do a RoboCop retrospective. Look at RoboCop, the new RoboCop. Jose Padilla, Jose Padilla, whatever the hell you pronounce his name. I don't know, I speak American. But however you pronounce his name, he outright said they shot this RoboCop remake to be PG-13, so there will be no R-rated director's cut. Now, that's not the issue I'm bringing up right now. I think that's asinine to begin with to defend himself on this. And I think this just shows just a complete contempt for the original RoboCop. He said, the PG-13 rating has changed so much and allows so much, and I'm quoting here, if the original film were re-rated today, it would be a PG-13. Has he watched the original film? The well, the original, original film. No, I'm talking, no, right now, let's just stick but with I'm the R-rated theatrical But I'm saying let's go with the R-rated theatrical yes. That film okay. is still gory as hell. That film is gory as hell. I mean, there is, man, there's shootings right up in the screen. There are, uh, the one guy gets run over and explodes onto the, uh, the car. There's so much violence. Um, uh, Kurt, what's his name? Uh, Kurtwood Smith gets stabbed in the neck and blood is spurting out of his jugular. Absolutely, positively, in no way, shape, or form on any planet would that get a PG-13. He's trying to say, we haven't toned it down, that we're on the same level as the original. And I'm calling absolute 100% bullshit on that. And the goddamn film's not even out yet. But I can just tell you, with it being PG-13, and again, quoting shot for a PG-13, there is no way it will compare gore levels to the original. No chance. No, I mean, right out of the gate. In the trailer, you see Alex Murphy getting blown up by his car, and he just kind of gets thrown away, as opposed to getting his hand shot off and taking a bullet in the head in the original. The thought process behind not just doing the exact same thing as the original there comes a point where you have to have certain elements that the original had. So when I see it, I'm not going to see in theaters. I'm not going to support it. 
but I will see it eventually. And I am curious, but I have a feeling it's going to be exactly what we all think it's going to be. And we'll go more into that when we do the RoboCop retrospective. But to swing this back to ratings, do you think that certain franchises, let's just take as as holes, it's not individual films at this point, certain franchises cannot be edited down even if it would make them more money, such as New Lines, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Robert Englund franchise? All of those were R. And he, he, here was the weird thing. I rarely will give credit to Michael DeLuca because he's kind of a moron and ran his own company into the ground creatively. He did make one perfect decision when it came to Nightmare on Elm Street. He was being pressured by his board to start around four and five to start making them PG-13 because that was the majority of their audience. So legally, the majority of the audience going to see a Freddy Krueger film can't legally go see it. Michael DeLuca had the brilliant brain fart. They're going to see it anyway because they're the majority of our audience. So why should we dumb the films down when they're clearly finding a way to see them anyway? It's a really good thing that he didn't because the series probably would have like ended if they would have put out one PG-13 Nightmare on Elm Street. If the fat boys couldn't kill Freddy, PG-13 might have. <laughs> I forgot about that. You forgot about that one, huh? Oh, man. And I love Disorderlies. But uh, Ooh, you and I are still going to have words. <laughs> it it just it it's just the the studios. They're not looking at the bigger picture. Thankfully, he did stick to his guns and continued to make the movies R and they continued to varying degrees of good. But at least they never sold out, went PG-13, turned into crap and became, you know, a nightmare on Hex Street or something. Look at what happened. Now, this is a movie series that was PG-13, but the studio started to get really antsy because of the material. With Batman was PG-13, and then Batman Returns was PG-13. Parents were complaining because the movie was so dark and it was violent and they didn't want to bring their kids to it. And then what happens? They make Batman Forever where they brightened the colors and made it cheery and made it less violent you know and made it silly. I, I, I'm going to say it. They made it gay. They made it gay. They made it totally gay. And then, actually, Batman Forever, not so much. Batman and Robin, absolutely positively gay. They even they even openly admitted where they're just like, well, they had uh, you know arguments over uh, the size of the cod pieces that Batman and Robin were going to have. Well, Batman has to have the bigger cod piece because he's Batman. Because he's bat- the top. Raise the top, and you know, well, I could see Robin being a power bottom, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> then they put, you know, they put the bat nipples on, and they had, you know, uh, all these different designs. And that stuff was the like thing that. that bothered me the most about that. Batman and Robin have bat nipples, but Batgirl did not. Yeah, Explain the it, logic of that to me. Seriously, come on, you know. And if anybody Batman should have Alicia nipples, Alicia Silverstone too. Oof, yeah, I would have really enjoyed seeing that. But and what happened? They they dumbed them down to the point of where they made them so safe that it ruined the franchise for almost a decade. They what they did was they did the same thing that the TV series did to Batman in '66. That they made it they because gotta remember in '66 the Batman comic books. This is the Neil Adams era. This is the Denny O'Neill era. They were relatively serious and dark. I mean, not like Frank Miller would do it in '86 and whatnot, but they were relatively serious and dark. And they didn't think TV audiences could handle that. So let's make it like a goofy circus. And the thing was, 
if you go back to 1989, Robin or Robin, Adam West used to do the uh, convention circuit as Batman. They actually put a ban on him. They disallowed him from being able to do this because they wanted to separate the Batman TV show from the new Batman movie because it's like, well, this is going to be dark and serious. And then what happens? Batman and Robin comes out and, in my humble opinion, is actually worse than the old freaking yeah, you know, campy TV show. The- Somehow it did not have the charm that the 66 TV show had. Even if the 66 TV show is kind of insulting, it's still charming at the same time. There, there's just something about it. It's, it's like, it's like you said, it's charming. It's there. It's fun. It's, it's lighthearted. And there were a few like little darker moments here and there, but the, uh, the Batman and Robin was just so safe for everybody. It was terrible. Well, what about when a film franchise becomes more and more kid-friendly but starts out R, in some cases hard R? And I'm not talking about like well, like what I said with RoboCop toys and Conan toys and stuff. Look at like Police Academy. First film's R, second film's PG-13. And, and to be fair, I don't think the second film needed to be R because it didn't feel like it was holding anything back. That PG-13 felt natural for that one. We'll talk more about that in a month or so. Hint, hint. Then it became PG and PG and PG, and finally, children's cartoon based on it. Or Robocop himself. R, hard R, hard R, PG-13, cartoon. How does that progression happen? Is it just like what what was happening with Nightmare on Elm Street and Michael DeLuca's revelation that the kids – that our, our main audience are seeing this anyway, let's start talking to them. Is it kind of if Michael DeLuca had not stood by his guns? Well, in the case of RoboCop, the the studio just completely, I, we've said this so many times, but the studio just completely screwed over Fred Decker. And they had a hard R movie, the second movie, even more hard Yeah, I was going to say, I actually think RoboCop 2 is harder to, it's, it's harder violence than the first one, but that's debatable. Yeah, the little kid dies violently. You know? I'm and, thinking of the live autopsy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of yeah, the crooked cop. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the second one, I mean, but it is done cartoonishly violent, but it's still so violent. But yeah, and then uh, what happened was they, the backlash of two made them dial three back and make it like almost a parody. And it's a shame because there are elements in three where you can see that glimmer of satire that they had, but they were too busy. Well, we need to have you know, robot ninjas. Whereas if you had had Verhoeven directing three and you had robot ninjas in there, it would have worked. He would have made that work because he would have spun it somehow. And it would we, have been hysterical. We will, we will get into this more when we do the RoboCop retrospective, but ah, three yes. became cartoony like that. Because Orion was dying. Orion was in dire financial straits. That's why the film sat on the shelf for two years. So the merchandising deals were literally the only reason that movie ended up getting made. So it was it was kind of the, the double-edged sword. The only way we can make the movie is to sell it out to the action figures, but the action figures will make sure that this movie's a failure. And honestly, the, the TV series was even was more violent than three which is hilarious not really but we'll get into that 
Yeah, again, when we get into the to the TV, when we we'll, get it, when we'll we do the retrospective, yeah. But but still, I think that uh, well, it it was a it had a darker tone to it, and it was not as goofy as three. It wasn't as violent and and serious uh, to a certain degree as the first two. But yeah, it, it it's just it's ridiculous. The what we were talking before the show, same thing with Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds started off. Revenge of the Nerds was the first movie that I saw Bush. We've got Bush. Oh, have pie. <laughs> <laughs> and then for it to go PG-13, PG, and then uh, just down to uh, a TV movie. Three and four were straight out Fox Night at the movies. They were they were Fox TV movies. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy because it's like, who are you trying to appeal to here? Because... What if, okay, some kids are watching it on television? Well, they're going to be like, hey, I want to watch Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, Revenge of the Nerds is on cable, and they're going to see the original, which is absolutely positively not for children. I, I think there's got to be some kind of pushback. We're getting, it's getting out of hand, and it's getting absolutely stupid, and things are getting rated incorrectly, and then we're not seeing the movies that we should be seeing. I think it's infuriating because uh, in a case of something that I hadn't mentioned tonight, but in a case of something like The Hunger Games, The Hunger Games is a movie that should not exist as a PG-13 movie, and yet they made it as a PG-13 movie. It removes all of the impact. So there are certain films that, at, from an artistic perspective, they need to be R-rated. And the fact that they're willing to take certain properties and either film them as r-rated and then cut them down to pg-13 or insist that this has to be pg-13 it's absolutely wrong and it's ruining movies there are a lot of movies that would be good but they're cutting out the whole thing that goes along with them and making them safe for children and consequently cutting any punch that they have and making them bad and i'm gonna say a little bit that sometimes I think you do need a little bit of restraint. Go back to the slasher boom again, 1981's My Bloody Valentine. They, they released it uncut with all the gore scenes on DVD. Honestly, I think the film works better restrained because they went so over the top, they lost the serious tone that they were going for with the violence. So to me, sometimes a little bit of restraint is necessary. I think just in today's culture... You cannot make money. If you've got a $100 million investment, you no studio is going to release an R-rated $100 million film anymore. They just aren't. They need the PG-13 rating. They have to. I think things need to change. And until you people stop going and paying to see these movies and then still going and buying the uncut, unrated DVD when it comes out four months later, they're not going to stop doing this until you show them with your wallet. So Cecil, where can we find you? You can find me at goodbadflicks.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. You can find me at geekjuicemedia.com, 1201beyond.com, as well as contacting the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Hopefully Alex will show up next week.
Home is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.